Welcome, movers and shakers. I am your host and realtor, Janitha and Moore. On today's segment, we have broker, investor, realtor, Jacques Balance, and he is a repeat guest, and I'm excited to have you. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Glad to be back with you again. So on our um, previous segment, you kind of helped us understand the difference between realtor versus real estate agent. Today, I want to take you into the area of explaining what an investor focuses on and how he um, proceed in trying to find deals. So okay. this is this is a scripted segment because I just like that flow. So hopefully you'll be okay in that arena. The first question I have for you is what's the difference between an investor and a real estate agent? Well, that's it. An investor um, is that mostly an agent, you know, works for the investor as far as finding them properties, uh, presenting acts as their liaison in a, in a, in a way. Uh, with the uh, the seller, the middle person, if you wish. Same way uh, a homeowner or a regular home purchaser will deal with a um, with a realtor or an agent to more or less kind of put the deal together and with the contracts and everything else. And because a lot of times the the homeowner, the investor may not be in contact with the uh, the actual seller. And there is a difference in the sense of investors when you're dealing with agents. Um, from the agent's perspective, investors work with a lot of different agents. So it'll be very difficult for you to have an exclusive agreement with them. So there is always that kind of uh, uh, aspect to go through. And because you want to make sure that, of course, for your services and your time, that you are, you know, you are compensated. From the investor's perspective, they work with a lot of different people. So you have to work around that. Uh, an investor is basically out to buy, rent, rehab, uh, or buy, rehab, rent, repeat, and go on to the next deal. So it's kind of a burr, as they call it, B-R-R-R-R uh, segment that uh, investor looks at. So you have to be conscious of what are the investor's objectives. What is he trying to do? What is she trying to do? What is she trying to accomplish? From, an, from a real estate agent's or realtor's perspective, you have to try to meet those guidelines. Uh, so are... Our... I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, so I think as far as from an agent's perspective, you have to more or less know what the objectives are and pre present, uh, you know, a piece of property that fits into their, you know, the investor's overall objectives. So the home, the aspect versus an inspector, excuse me, an investor versus a homeowner is kind of different. So you may be an anomaly. You have, you are a licensed agent and you do investing. So to most are most investors licensed agents or are they just 
know how to um, select and identify property to invest in. Right. In my opinion, most investors are not licensed agents, but you do have a lot of licensed agents that do invest. Okay. And so their core business, as far as an, uh, an agent, is that the capacity of acting as an agent and the investment aspect is something they do on the side, of course, looking at, you know, uh, passive income, increasing wealth, and so forth. Most investors are not licensed. Uh, there's a lot of areas that uh, an investor can go in that a licensed agent cannot. Most investors do not want to be licensed uh, because of certain full disclosures that have to be um, done. They, cho they choose not to do. Uh, but so it all depends. A lot of a lot of investors like to be ac uh, licensed because they feel they have access to the MLS. They have access to properties. If it's two o'clock in the morning, they want to uh, do some research. They don't have to con constantly contact their agent. Hey, look at this house for me. Get me some information on this house and that house. They can more or less do it themselves. Uh, I've known situations where you have couples where one will be the investor, the other will be the licensed agent. And so they work with each other in that regard. Talk more about what an incoming producing property is. Give us some examples. Right. It could be um, single family residences, which I think most people probably uh, investors or smaller investors uh, focus their time on. It's just that you, you own the property, you rent it out, you have a tenant, they pay you rent and hopefully the rent amount more than uh, pays for the maintenance of the house, your mortgage payments, taxes, insurance, if you have HOEs, etc. So that difference is your net. A lot of times it can be not much, maybe two, three, four, five hundred dollars a month, maybe. So a lot of investors that invest in that area are looking at appreciation as far as building wealth. Uh, okay. you, don't, you don't have the ability to force appreciation as much on a single family residence as you do with like an apartment building, apartment complex. So you have say 12 unit apartment complex, you have one or two units that are uh, vacant, you still have income coming in from those other, those other units. You have a single family home, it's empty, it's 100% vacant. You don't have that with multifamily. Me personally, I like the multifamily uh, aspect because of that. You can force appreciation by uh, doing some renovations, increasing rents um, as tenants move in, tenants move out, appliances, different things. So you can have a cap rate that investors will use which is basically the income that the property is generating. You divide it by the asset value of that particular property and it gives you a certain percentage, which is a lot of investors will look at what kind of cap rate. So if you may hear that a lot, what kind of cap rate is this particular property uh, generating, which is the return on their invested dollar, basically. And so the lower the cap rate, the more um, secure the property is secure in the sense as far as constant cash flow it's probably a much better property the higher the cap rate are usually the b and c class uh you know properties so it all varies 
So what do investors really buy? Are they interested in purchasing property or the income that's associated with the property? It's, it's usually, well, it depends on what they're after. Is it the monthly income? Which most of the time it's not that much, but it's the appreciation. It's the value, especially if they're in a high appreciating parts of the country, whether it's, uh, say, Florida or Arizona, maybe not so much California now, but of course there are always pockets um, that are there. Um, so they're looking at appreciation. So how much can I put into this property and how much is it going to be worth after X amount of years? The, the cash flow is nice, but it's not necessarily, well, it depends on how many units you're owning. So if you have, if you're an investor that owns, you know, a thousand units and each unit, each door is, you know, generating $100, $150 per unit, as you can see, that's a nice, that's a nice monthly cash flow that you're generating, you know, if, 50, 60, 70, 100,000 dollars a month, that is, that is very nice net. So if you're generating two million dollars just from income um, from those properties, that it's, that's a wonderful, wonderful position to, to be in and we all aspire to be at that level. So you talked about how investors look at appreciation and look at the cash flow. Explain a little more go a little deeper on how investors make money in real estate you've already identified two are there any additional uh critical components to making money as it relates to real estate investing right a big component that uh people especially the larger investors have to do with, is with taxes and so taxes are a key component. You can have a great property, great appreciation, but the tax consequences sometimes makes it, it's not worth it. So it depends on your, the tax structure. So how you, you structure the deal as far as with an LLC, the kind of state you're in, the, the, um, all of that does play, play a factor. Um, what other income are you receiving? And sometimes you may, there are some properties or some investments that is losing money, but you can be taking that loss and applying it towards um, other, you know, positive cash flows. So you're actually writing down um, loans. And so as far as income, so you could do a lot of credits when it comes to that. So it's not always a positive cash flow. Some, some investors are okay with losing money, but it's offsetting some other income. So, so that's fine. Knowing that maybe in a few years from now, um, you know, they'll either break even or start making money. And so then you have investors that move up and they avoid taxes by doing 1031 exchanges. So you have a piece of property, after a few years, you decide to sell it, but you do not want to, or you decide to move on, but you do not want to sell it because you don't want to be hit with the tap capital gains taxes. So you'll take that property and move to a 1031 exchange and move on to another property so you're just deferring the tax consequences for for an extended period of time over and over and over again and uh and never cashing out but when you're doing that and of course your your the valuations may be going up you're moving on to a larger property so your your income or not your income but your your wealth is actually expanding but you're not taking advantage of uh or you're not cashing out because you just don't want to the uh, tax implications by doing so 
So there's that. So the taxes are a big component in which direction investors go and how to decide to look at their out, their exit strategy. Okay. And so when you find when when you find a deal, what information do you need to see if that is a good investment decision? Do you have to be good at math? Um, well, there's a lot of calculators out there that will do that for you, but at least you need to know how it works. So numbers, if you don't understand what that number represents, then then you will, I don't think you'll be a very successful investor. It's the same thing if you're investing in the stock market. You need to know what does this represent. Hey, I bought this at this price. I sold it at this price. I made that much money. Not necessarily. You may have lost money. What are the holding costs? So even, you know, you have a lot of these TV shows and I think a lot of people got into the flipping game by, you know, thank you to H or thanks to HGTV. And then 30 minutes, they saw somebody buy something for 120,000 and then, hey, they made a $60,000 on it. But they don't talk about what are the holding costs. So what are the realtor, and that's part of the holding costs. If it's a hard money that you use, how much is that costing you a month? What are the interest rates are you paying on that hard money? Um, what are the realtor fees at the end of it? So you have all of those things that you have to factor in. What is your net? What is the true net in that property? So just buying it at 100, selling it at 195,000 in six months, it does not mean you made $95,000. You may have only made 25,000. So there's a lot of that that's not that's not um, presented. So they kind of have this glowy, oh, this rosy picture of how it's done. <laughs> But in but in reality, it's not reality. It's so-called reality TV. But um, so holding costs is something a lot of people seem to skip. They miss out on. Um, and even not even in the investment, but just in a regular homeowner, uh, a homeowner ho uh, owner occupied uh, residence. Oh, I bought a home ten years ago for two hundred thousand. Hey, I just sold it for three hundred twenty thousand. Did you really make one hundred twenty thousand dollars? No, you did not. Mm -hmm, so, because um, there's some expenses that they have not considered. Right. Like five years worth of mortgage payments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, HOA fees. And how about their, their taxes? And, you know, all those things. You have renovations people do. And most renovations, you're lucky to get 95, 100% return on, that in, on the uh, renovation. Of course, kitchens and baths bring the highest return, but um, most of the time it may be 100%. Sometimes it is not. Adding a pool in the backyard does not mean you increase the property value. And in some instances, you've actually lowered the property value. So there's a lot of different things that go into it. So it's not just a raw number. And, you know, getting back to what you, you, you mentioned before, as far as being good in math, at least you have to know the concept. Uh, basic math is very important. And so you have to know, okay, I'm spending this. I'm, what are my costs? How am I getting out? What is my percentage? How much money did I make back? Oh, it's only a 3% return. Well, I could have bought, a, you know, maybe a mutual fund that paid me 5% guaranteed without the risk. So there's always a risk factor that you have to put into the equation whenever you're making an investment. And that's what the cap rate comes down to with investment as far as the income versus, you know, as far as the asset value. Um, if it's only a 4%, 5% that I'm getting is my money best placed elsewhere without the risk. So these are things that individually that you have to assess for yourself, for your own personal 
uh, situation, whether it's a viable, you know, investment route you want to take, because there's always things, uh, you know, behind the door that you don't know about. And are you, if you're risk adverse, I would definitely tell you not to invest in certain properties. Okay. And so that leads me to the question, what are the consequences of not having enough information about the investment property? Is it just about losing money? You'll be losing money. And hopefully you'll have, uh, if you're in a relationship, you can explain it to your your significant other as far as what happened. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and if the kids have to go to, uh, you know, state school as opposed to a private school and (laughs) a lot of things. So always never, never, you know, tap into people's, your 401k. Don't tap into your, uh, any retirement money. Always invest in money that you can afford to lose. Okay. Um, and of course, always get know what you're doing. Know, know your do your homework. Uh, a lot of people have lost their shirts uh, investing in real estate. Does it make it a bad investment? Absolutely not. They were probably either misinformed, ill-informed, did not know what they were getting into. Kind of looked at their friends that are hey, they invested, they made money. Why can't I? So it's not for the faint of heart. It could be very stressful. Um, not knowing uh, what's going to happen. One thing I like about it is that it's not subjective like the stock market is because, hey, the, the numbers, they were expecting, you know, a uh, dollar two per share of revenues, but they only did a dollar one, and then the stock, the, the, the stock price drops 4% in one day, and that had nothing to do with you. You cannot control it. At least with real estate, it's tangible. You can see it. You can actually do something about it. Know what you're doing. Don't just go on uh, a friend's advice. Don't be lured into um, the rosy pictures that you see on television. Um, Know that you have a passion for it. Uh, And if not, there are a lot of investments, REITs, that you you can invest in, which is basically a real estate mutual fund. Uh, that you can invest in just like you would do a, a, a regular stock mutual fund, but they invest in commercial properties. So if uh, you do not know what you're doing, that is one aspect that you can invest, be involved in the real estate game without physically owning a building. There are syndications. You can get into a pool of other investors that are uh, experienced that you can pool your money in. For example, oh, okay, I got $10,000, $20,000. I'll pull it into the the group fund and um, get my money that way. So a lot of different ways to uh, to skin this cat, basically. When you're identifying a property, do you concern yourself with the land measurements and property size? Is that significant for you? No, no, no. It's kind of what kind of return, you know, yeah, what's the value of the land if you feel that it's uh, an attractive property versus, say, your neighbor's. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of the land, sure, but mm-hmm. uh, if is that land going to? Ch- mm-hmm. So that's really what you want to you know look at. It's like okay, there's a lot of land, but unless you know, depending on where it is, and part of the land is being leased to uh, to another uh, adjoining ad- adjoining property and this and that. But no, not really. The land itself is not going to bring you any income, monthly income. Um- it might it, it ha, understanding what the measurements are in the lingo might be important to perhaps a retail investor or more of a commercial space perhaps right it'll give you as far as value you'll have more value because of the excess land 
Mm-hmm. But that excess land, if it's just land that's sitting there and there's no physical edifice on it, no property that's generating any income from it, you know, so it's, it's just value, but it's not giving you any, uh, any income. It may help with the cap rate as far as with a higher value property, but you, then you have to divide it, you know, based on the income. So yeah, so that's why you have to know what you're getting into and different properties and um, so it's not just for the faint of heart. It's just you gotta know what you're doing. Yeah, know your numbers. If you don't learn your numbers, um, you just don't want to go into something blindly and not know what you're doing and just hope and pray that um, that it's a good investment. You've got to know what you're doing. And this is where a, a good realtor, a, a good agent comes in, where they know the landscape. They know the numbers. So even if you don't, you want somebody on your team that does. So they can present the numbers to you, outline it in a way that's that's comprehensible, and then you can see the numbers, and then uh, you decide if you know if, if it's a good strategy for you. But you definitely want an agent on your side that knows what they're doing. And even if you do not know how to crunch the numbers, they do. And that's why you're engaging them. And that's why they have to be worth their their commission. But quite frankly, and I'm glad you 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 got to this point because it was my very last question, which was, are realtors have helpful to the process? And quite frankly, I run into investors where they feel that realtors aren't helpful, and we in fact, you know, help negotiate. We help with the research. We help with the transaction management. And we become experts in the community that you may want your uh, want to invest in. So uh, I totally agree with you that um, a, an experienced realtor can be very helpful to the process. Um, so that is all I wanted to ask you today. Of course, I always value your time and your expert advice. Do you have any additional um, tips that you want to offer the audience as a bonus? Um, you know, piggybacking what you just said, if you have an agent, it's a marriage. You have an agent, you have an investor, they have, they have to see kind of eye to eye. And so, okay, what are your objectives? Okay, we can, we can work together on this. So as an agent, if you have that type of investor, you know what? Let that investor move on. If they don't value you, why are you wasting your time with them? You don't need to. And it's the other way around as well. If you're an agent and, excuse me, you're an investor and there's an agent that basically does not help fulfill your goal, your needs, your objectives, then move on to another agent. They have to be able to, to you know, accommodate what you're trying to do. Um, so it has to, it has to work well. And if they don't know what they're doing, then there are a lot of other agents and a lot of other investors that you can work with that are a lot easier to, um, to get along with. So agents, excuse me, investors can be a very, uh, interesting bunch believe me <laughs> sometimes you put your investor hat on you put your agent hat on and uh sometimes they don't see eye to eye but but that's fine no as far as parting words no no i'm glad you know it was helpful get any um you know any information whatever nuggets you can get out of this um by all means my pleasure i definitely feel it's necessary because you have a lot of uh want to be investors who don't know where to start and like you like you said they're they're glamorizing the profits but it is a process 
and you have to be thorough and you have to be knowledgeable and have the right people on your team to get the deal done. And that is the key word, the right team. And a team, depending on what the, the team consists of an agent. Okay, say you're from the investor, you have the agent, you have the, your lender, whether it's a hard money lender or a personal private lender that you work with all the time. You have to have the right attorneys. You got to have the right inspectors. You got to have the right um, uh, contractors in the sense of, or general contractor, whatever needs to be done to the house. You got to have the right appraiser. So all these people are part of your team to make the uh, the endeavor successful. If uh, if everybody does not work in unison, you don't have those right people with you. Um, good luck trying to be successful because uh, just rarely does it work unless you can wear all those hats, but not many people can. Jacques Balance, my friend, broker, investor, real estate agent. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. You are very welcome. My pleasure. And thank you for listening. For more information, please go to my website, www.goodhomeslist.com. I can also be reached at 678-775-8108.